morning, good night. <laughs> We're now closer than ever uh, because of the time zone change. <laughs> yes, we are. So I'm basically one hour late, uh, later than usual because of the wonderful time change. I'm going to have my own daylight savings time uh, in like, I don't know, a couple of weeks. It's like two, three weeks. Hmm. I know this doesn't last very long, which is awesome for people that work remotely like me. You know, yeah. I I know it's just one hour in like eight or nine, but it makes a lot of difference. Big difference. Yeah. And I, I got to be honest, this one almost slipped by me. <laughs> almost didn't notice at all. Yeah, dude, I don't. I only know because of Twitter. Yeah, like, me too. Same thing. I saw someone complaining about it on Twitter and that's how I found out. Because <laughs> like my watch is internet connected, my phone, my Macs, basically everything around me has uh, digital clocks. So. My microwave now doesn't have a digital clock, like so it's not connected to the internet, but uh, it doesn't have a clock. This yeah. Time. So... I'm good. Like I actually don't have any clock that needs manually to be changed. Do we even have a, like a, I, a time I think change? I had, yeah, I'm pretty sure my microwave has time on it, but I never look at the time on it. So it's <laughs> kind of not mm. a big deal. Um, mm. So yeah, anyways, anyways, we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh which is yeah. great. I, I feel like in the past couple of weeks, there's just been nothing going on, um, which is also fun because we get to talk about different things, uh, different topics that we don't usually mm -hmm. talk about. Yeah, I think this is sort of, we're back to our regularly scheduled program of having tons of topics. Uh, and what, what a better way to say goodbye to our uh, weird schedule with our 50th birthday last week. Yeah, we missed it. We missed it. <laughs> Was I supposed to get you flowers or something? I don't, I don't know. Uh, how does it, how does it work? This like with shows or uh, in this case podcasts, like one episode is like one year, so it's like the fiftieth birthday, but not really. Fifty yeah. episodes. Uh, po podcasting years are <laughs> go faster. Yeah, yeah, half a century of shows. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, I guess we. Uh, Remember that that one episode in where we we were looking at the what we call it like the gold years or the gold anniversary or yeah the, I do remember that it was like this plastic anniversary or something <laughs> I think it was our twenty fifth episode or something like that so we have we have a we have a history of just missing um, you know these uh, landmarks and the weird thing too is that have we passed a year yet. Of doing this? We have, right? Pretty sure we did. Yeah. But because we've missed a couple of weeks here and there, we're just at episode 51 now. Um, so it's kind of strange. Like you can't map the number of episodes to time. So episode number one was released on uh, 16, no, yeah, 16 of October 2015. Right. And we talked about Medium's latest design changes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hey, and Kevin's Apple Watch app is now in beta. Oh, God. That never turned. <laughs> yeah, what happened to turned that? Turned anything real? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I probably talked about it on the show, but there were some pricing changes to the API I was using. 
that basically made the app unsustainable unless I, I managed to sell it in very large quantities, which for an Apple Watch app, I don't think is super realistic. Was that the, the Dark Sky API? Yeah. Okay. And then after a while, I just like stopped being excited about it. And in I think it's in the latest version of WatchOS, or I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I realized that you in the complications, you can now have the little icon plus the the temperature as like two separate com- uh, complications uh which yes. was like one of the main features of my app and now you can just do it by using two complications st- slots on your watch um which is what i'm doing now so it's like eh, i'm not like super into it anymore and the main thing that i was excited about i can now do with the the standard watch app so mm-hmm. yeah Really excited about my new app, though, that I'm working on, Photo Edit. I've seen you just released a new build. <laughs> yeah. uh, this you weekend. know why? Because <laughs> there was two days <laughs> before the uh, previous beta <laughs> was going to expire. Um, so I had to release one. But I have been working on it. The pace has been slower than previous betas. And the reason for that is I'm working on cropping, uh, which seems like mm. a super basic feature, right? But it's actually pretty complicated to make it work. And so I have a branch that is sort of halfway done. Uh, but it's taking basically taking way longer than I thought it would. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of like shipped a few bug fixes. No major new feature in, in this new beta. But mm-hmm. I'm still working on cropping. Like hasn't been abandoned yet. <laughs> uh, don't worry. I'm uh, still super excited about it. Um, and another thing that I've been sort of doing in parallel is that um, working on all this cropping stuff may, it just made me realize how like some parts of the app are really poorly architected. So it made me <laughs> want to sort of refactor a bunch of stuff. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> You're never going to release this, are you? <laughs> uh, that is, that, I mean, that is a fair, like, fair counter argument to refactoring. Uh-huh. Um, if you're gonna re- yeah refactor the whole app right now, that's yeah. Yeah, I just feel like it's gotta be done though. I'm at a weird moment in my iOS development like learning curve where I'm still getting better and better very fast. So the code that I wrote like four months ago now starts to feel very very crappy. And I can rewrite a lot of the parts of the app faster than I can sort of like monkey patch my way around, like making things work uh, in the existing code base. I feel you. Yeah. I, I completely sympathize. Like, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like it's a worthwhile investment of my time because I'm, I'm learning how to properly make a complex app and architect it the right way and make it develop it in a way that's going to be sustainable and that I'm going to be able to like keep updating and iterating on adding new features and stuff. So I hope I'm going to get to the end of it. Uh, and if I do, that'll be great. And the app's going to be more stable and more easily, sta- more easily testable. And I'm going to be able to ship new features faster. So yeah, <laughs> bear with me. Do you have like a release date in mind that you would like? Oh God, no. To, you know. <laughs> well, okay. So I, no prediction. I feel like yeah, I'm not. I'm not even gonna get into this because I. I feel like whatever I say is gonna be wrong. Because here's here's uh, my, my personal prediction. 
Okay. All right. <laughs> the app is pretty great. The app is like I've been using it. I like it's very much useful and usable at this current state. I I would say like I would agree it's not like you can go that extra mile just to make it more presentable and shippable, but it's not that, you know, it's broken. Uh and <laughs> uh in like what like 2-3 months WWDC is going to come up and you're going to take a look at all the new APIs on iOS 11. And maybe imagine there's a slight redesign change to iOS. Uh, and <laughs> that just like, that just <laughs> adds, oh, you know what? Okay, I'll release it with iOS 11. And that puts us in fall. So, okay. So <laughs> I didn't want to talk about this, but now you're sort of forcing me to. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I want to release this before WWDC. Um, all right. Because I feel like it's going to be the best momentum I can have. Like, I, I feel like I can do this. Like, I, I have enough time to add the two, thi two things I need, which are cropping and the filter store kind of functionality so that I'm able to get mm. money uh, so that I can keep working on the app uh, and uh, it makes sense financially. So I have these two things to do, which I think I'm going to be able to do before WWDC. Um, so then I'll have sort of the V1 out, and then hopefully get a bit of press around it and stuff. And then WWDC is going to roll around, introduce a bunch of new APIs, hopefully, for photo editing apps. It's going to make it way better. And then I'm going to ship an update like right after WWDC that adds a bunch of new cool new features and have like a major like point one release with like the new version of iOS 11. Mm. I feel like that'd be like the perfect timeline if... I'm able yeah. to get everything done. You can do it, dude. Yeah, but it is you a, a it. really big challenge for me, uh, to be honest, because that's one thing I've been realizing is that I tend to like starting a lot of things mm -hmm. <laughs> and finishing is not my strong suit. So it's been like really challenging to focus on this thing and be like, okay, no, don't work on a million other ideas. Like, keep working on this. Like You need to finish it. But yeah, I think I'm going to be able to do it. Uh, the, the thing that I'm really um, that really makes me confident about this one over a lot of other apps is that I almost use this. I use this app almost every day. I was just on a photo walk today and I use it a whole lot and I just love it. <laughs> I love using it as a user, but I also see all the bugs and all time. the little features that I wish it had. Uh, that it doesn't yet. So that sort of drives me to keep working on it and keep improving it and making it better. So yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah, this is definitely like the last, like the 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 steepest like a slope before because it's not the it's definitely not the most fun part of the development. No. <laughs> so, but if you can get past it, then you get all the the rewards of you know actually putting it out there and having people use it. Yeah, awesome. like oh, this totally. is great. Uh, but yeah, th this is definitely like the, the worst part of the development cycle, I would say. Because <laughs> it's like, it is already useful for, to you and you are already using it and you are already like collecting the benefits of having this. You, yes. right? So. <laughs> oh, and uh, I heard someone talk about a really interesting idea that I've never really thought about before. Because I've always like sort of been subscribing to the idea of 
for any side projects like let's let me just be as public as possible about it about everything <laughs> and just share the process and show work in progress and all that kind of stuff which i think is still very valuable in a lot of ways but uh more recently Uh-oh. i have started working on like additional new features and ideas um for photo edit and i'm voluntarily not sharing them with anyone yet And the idea of this is to trick my brain uh, into uh, pushing to release it. Because otherwise, what what's going to happen is I'll like get really excited about designing everything. And then I'll sort of post it on Twitter or like share it with friends and stuff like that. And get the reward for this cool thing. And people being like, oh, like that's awesome. Like that feature would be, it would be really nice and everything. And I get that before even building it. And after that, I'm kind of like, Ugh. like now I say, like, oh, I got to build this whole big thing. So I'm trying to hold off and only show things once they're they're built, um, which is going to be an interesting experiment. That's a good hack, like way to trick your brain. Yeah, totally. <laughs> interesting. So we'll see. We'll see if that works. I'll report back. <laughs> All right, uh, so let me tell you about UXPIN. UXPIN is the best design platform for agile UX team. UXPIN is the product that lives directly in the browser and allows product teams to collaborate across the entire design development process. And what this is gonna do, it's, it's gonna get rid of any possible miscommunication between the design and the development team. So how do they do this? Well, they offer a bunch of features to simplify your life. The first one is simple prototyping, which is super easy to do in their really intuitive interface. They also have spec mode, which we talked about in in past shows. And they also have uh, fast commenting on on your design. So you can annotate stuff and you you can also leave comments and have back and forth with your stakeholders right there. My favorite feature though, has to be something that they are calling uh, the free flow documentation. And very simply, this is built-in documentation. And now I speak from experience, like sometimes uh, your beautiful, simple, clean, uh, awesome uh, mock-up <laughs> is not enough to convince people or just like communicate the idea uh, completely. You need to add more context, you need to explain decisions, you need to maybe explain how this would work or how would this content be populated with data, stuff like that, right? Sometimes. A picture is worth uh, a thousand words, but a thousand words is not enough. So you need more words. Uh, they can run with that. It's free. Uh, so, <laughs> so they have this built-in documentation, which is you can leave like long-form um, text explaining all of your decisions here, all your mockups. Uh, this is really great. What I do like sometimes uh, before UX spin is I share documentation and then maybe create an issue or something on GitHub, and then I have to explain everything and share my thinking behind it. So this is really, really, really useful. Also, UXPIN is the single source of truth for our designs, and you can show both your stakeholders and developers, you can share this with everyone. And again, it takes uh, all of the headaches and guesswork away. It gives you like this simple interface to manage everything and get all the conversation there, which is pretty great. Cool, so UXPIN has prepared a special deal for layout listeners. They're giving you one extra week of trial to all of you so that you can Try it, see if you like it, and hopefully you're going to sign up. So just sign up at uxpin.com slash layout. And so that's 
pin.com slash layout. Uh, hopefully you know how to spell layout. Um, <laughs> so you really have no nothing to lose here. Uh, you can export your existing sketch or Photoshop files. They have plugins for all of that stuff. Uh, see it in actions and you don't even have to, to put in your credit card. So our thanks to UXPIN for sponsoring Layout and SpecFM. Boom. Boom. Hey, have you tried this uh, new tool called <laughs> Kite Compositor? Is that how you say it? Compositor? Compositor. Is this, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, is um, uh, a powerful animation and prototyping application for Mac and iOS. A bit misleading, but yeah, it's this app, prototyping app for Mac. Why would they put it Mac and iOS in the? I'm, I'm reading for their website. Uh, that's a good question. Do they have an iOS Why app? Why would they do that? <laughs> Didn't even check. So they have like a viewer, which is paid. Just bananas. They paid like ninety nine cents. Oh, really? To huh. you know mirror your work. Right. Yeah. So um, okay, you tried it, right? I I just tried it today, actually. <laughs> wow, <laughs> doing your wow. your homework last minute. I see. <laughs> You know, I didn't. I didn't have the time during the week because mm -hmm. it was a busy week. So, and then this Mr. weekend, busy, I was <laughs> busy guy. Yeah, you know. Um, so I, I just, I just used it this weekend because I was doing this uh, side project fun thing uh, for iOS. I miss designing for iOS. I gotta admit. Yeah. I like the web. I love the web. Super exciting. But sometimes, you know, I, I would say the same thing if I work, uh, you know, full time on iOS. Uh, probably but i miss so anyway when i got uh, some time on the weekend like and i can pick a side project it's gonna be ios anyways all right so tell me like how did your experience go so you prototype uh, an actual app right that you were working mm. on okay yeah i can tell you exactly what i was trying to prototype okay. very simple interaction very very simple is basically the uh, you know on the music app on ios mm -hmm. when you like get the now playing screen and that little card um, gets in, in the mm -hmm. view and then the background is like shrinked a little bit and there's like this darkened layer. Anyway, is that interaction. Okay. Okay. Cool. So pretty straightforward. I know exactly like I don't have to think too much what I have to do. Right. I have to animate this card coming from the bottom, shrink the content and apply a darkened layer. Anyway. Cool. So uh, I download this. It has documentation on the website, which just tells me, all right, this is not going to be like super straightforward. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I like to, <laughs> I like to like explore on my own and maybe try to figure stuff on uh -huh. my own, right? Yep. Who wants to read a manual? <laughs> Let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that did not go very well. <laughs> this is not a super straightforward app. No. Uh, this is pretty complex so before we get into the app itself like the you just the ui that is something that i really like not sure if it if is the best approach to a prototyping tool but if you if you're used to xcode for example i feel like this is the the perfect child between sketch xcode and because it has a timeline i'm gonna say after effects or i mean something. we'll see about perfect but well <laughs> Perfect in a, in a sense that it's a it's a it's a very balanced mix, right? Right. Yes. I really like the inspector on this app. It offers a bunch of uh, I don't know parameters that you can change. You have a lot of control over stuff, mm -hmm. and because it's in this one place, it's more discoverable than let's say, uh, Quartz Composer or Origami. 
so it has that going on for it. I personally, I don't like the timeline approach to animation. Uh, I know th- this is definitely not like this is personal. <laughs> I know a lot of no, people. Will I, just... I mean, I completely agree. I think that's the biggest weakness of this app is the timeline. Yeah, because so again, I when I, I jumped in, I saw the little thing import from Sketch. I tried that, and then I wanted to change to put an iPhone thing on on like the the canvas. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, I had to close the document and start from a template, which is fine, I guess. So uh, I had to create like four different <laughs> until I got it right. Four different uh, new files, and then it's just it's just super confusing and. After a while, like I haven't finished, I'm just going to say this, like it's not, I haven't finished the prototype, I'm like halfway through, I got some stuff going on and it feels like this is stuff, this is a tool to prototype this one specific interaction. I saw from the videos, like you have a lot of control, like you can draw um, like a path that will just animate, you know, with the thunder thing on iOS, I don't know if you saw the video. Yeah, I did saw that. And honestly, that's one of the first things that I tried to do with this tool. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's pretty cool, but like I don't something like Framer, which is like it's more app like, it's more it's closer to the real thing. This because of the timeline and because of all of that, it just feels like you are creating a video, yeah, or a GIF, yeah, as opposed to creating this fully. Uh, interactive bundle package, let's just say. So, my verdict is it has some cool things going on for it uh, uh, in a UI level. I like the inspector. I don't like its its main focus in in goal. I don't know the the, the type of of thing that it can produce with this is not something that I'm really a fan, big fan of. And I don't like timelines. Uh, just that's just not my, how my brain works. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I agree with pretty much all of your points, which is weird, right? <laughs> 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 no, but yeah, the timeline is super confusing when a lot of the the animations that you have are actually interactions. So, yeah. like, sure, they do happen in time, but they only happen when you click a specific element. Uh, but what happens in this app is they're all sort of presented on this like one giant timeline, which doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, I like saw myself dragging things around a lot, and I, this is probably a bug, but like just basic things like pressing the space bar doesn't do play in the app, which is <laughs> massively annoying if you have any sort of uh, timeline. And yeah, like. I realized very quickly that this is not an app in which you're going to uh, prototype a whole flow. I'm like, Ooh. here's all the different screens of the app. No, you're never going to be able to do that. Uh, it is very complicated, <laughs> has a lot of options, which means it's also very powerful. But having played with it for like an hour or two, I still don't know what half of this app does. And what I ended up using it for... Because honestly, like, it's not very good at actual prototyping. <laughs> what I ended up using it for is uh, create videos. <laughs> 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 right? 
right? Because um, uh, I got this new computer, and I, again, like whenever I get new computers, I try not to install anything from Adobe on it because Adobe Updater is just evil. Um, so uh, I basically use it like After Effects. And in that regards, it's actually not that bad. So I was creating a video for uh, the Montreal Design Club. I uh, wanted to have like a, a basic screen with some animated lines. I basically wanted to draw a shape in it, which like has a feature built in. And it's pretty easy to do once you know how to drag the, the animations in the right places. And so for that, it worked really well. But one thing that's that's also super interesting, and I think that's probably because it's it's a bit early on within that app. But uh, when you're trying to export a video, it doesn't seem to just export the video right away. It it like puts it full screen on your screen, plays through the whole video, and records that. Like it seems like it's recording the the actual screen. I had this issue on my MacBook Pro where the screen was smaller than the actual artboard. So mm. I had like parts of the artboard cut out and that didn't get saved as part of the video, uh, which was a little weird. And I had to plug in it, plug it into my cinema display to be able to export the full size video. <laughs> it was like uh, kind of unfortunate. So yeah, I think this is probably good for very specific interactions or animations that you want to export the code for because I like there is uh, an aspect I haven't played with it too much but from the video at least I saw you can export native code that like recreates your animations and use them in apps I think that's probably their angle here like the thing that they're really good at it is a lot more polished and has a lot more UI than a lot of prototyping tools but it's it's definitely not going to be my my go to. Yeah, uh, it has some. Yeah, you know, it's still the one Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And it has interesting ideas, right? So I could yeah, see yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. going to in an interesting direction in the future. Um, but I think they have a lot of just like conceptual changes that they should probably make to make this easier to use and more intuitive. Yeah, and stuff like, for example, when you when you're um, when you open the little pop up for the timing function, you know, when you're easing or is out and you do custom ones, it doesn't it doesn't appear to play the animation. So you know, when you're tweaking animation values and you can't see the replay of the animation, like it's just you know, a guessing game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's like stuff like that. They should do and and also uh, it doesn't support um, line height. On every text block, so huh, that's interesting. Imports from Sketch were all wonky, uh, and then I, I thought, oh, it just didn't import that right you know, that value. Uh, so I tried to do it manually, and there's at least that I could find. There's no option to change line height. Well, that's kind of a shame. Yeah, but you know, it's those things like it just feels like 1.0 things. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna judge it by those right. Yeah, things. Like you said, like you use it more like an After Effects replacement. So it's that type of thing because I like the app. I just I don't like prototyping in it, <laughs> which is you know, this is a prototyping yeah. app. Well, so. I mean, another thing that's super basic but kind of weird with this app is is that the main sort of canvas that you have is not where you interact with the prototype. 
you have to go in a special mm-hmm. mode for interacting with a prototype. And that seems like not that big of a difference. Uh, but in practice, like I found myself pressing that button like tens of, t- of times, like just to create this simple animation to be able to preview everything. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that was kind of painful. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a pretty classic UI uh, challenge, which if you want to be able to, you know, control the elements on screen, like edit them, like sketch, yeah. you know, uh, but also interact with them like they're the finished products and elements, like you can't have both. <laughs> yeah, Framer has found an interesting compromise there where you have the code and then if you click the little icon, then yeah. you can sort of interact with the layer itself on the canvas. And that yeah. works pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I like Framer. It is like honestly, it's trying more and more prototyping tools uh, that are mm-hmm. more for higher fidelity stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Framer is definitely interesting. Like my biggest, the biggest flaw of Framer, I think, is the the fact that it's built on web technologies and doesn't always use the native standard elements. And I often find that I'm I'm proving a prototype and it looks fine on my computer, but on my phone, it's all janky and broken. Uh, and I don't hmm. know why, because it's like a web rendering bug or something. Uh, Interesting. So it's yeah, it's kind of unfortunate for for those moments. But other than that, um, I think a lot of the design decisions that they made there uh, were were really good. Um, even though it's it's really not for everyone, right? Like Framer, I feel like they specifically select for designers who kind of know how to code or at least are interested. Um, so this is not, that's the thing I, I feel like, <laughs> so there's something I can't say, but, uh, let's just, let's just say that in the future, this is going to be even more true what I'm, what I'm about to say, but it feels like framer is if you want to invest in framer and you're a designer and you don't know how to code, if you learn framer and invest your time into it, you're going to get two things you're gonna you're gonna learn a new prototyping tool and you're gonna learn how to code right yeah and you know all of their most recent efforts seems to be making the code part more approachable so things like autocode and and stuff like that uh, which is a great thing to teach designers how to code it's it's a good window to that so speaking of apps (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> great segue dude uh, so apparently speaking of software uh-huh. apparently electron apps are taking over yes and it's the electron uprising you tweeted about this they're eating all the mac apps and mm-hmm. turning them into web browsers mm-hmm. uh, yeah I kind of have uh, what the cool kids uh, call a tweet storm <laughs> about this so, yeah, what you're going to hear really soon is the audio format of <laughs> the mm-hmm. Tweetstorm. So do you want to you wanna, you wanna summarize the Tweetstorm for people who missed it? I mean... do follow us on the Twitters. <laughs> you should really follow me on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, the gist of it is there was this article written by Owen Williams. He was previously an editor at The Next Web. He's... Honestly, like a really awesome guy. We've interacted a bunch on Twitter and he's really smart. He wrote this article saying the web is swallowing the desktop whole and nobody noticed. And basically pointing out at 
uh, a bunch of apps like Slack, like Nihilus. Is that how you pronounce it? Sure. <laughs> we'll go. We'll go with it. Adam. <laughs> uh, uh, um, what's the other one? Like the the Microsoft code editor, and there's another one. In this yeah, Spotify. I don't know what the, oh yeah, Spotify. So all of those apps are basically glorified web browsers, um, which are Electron apps. So he was saying that a lot of... Should we summarize what Electron is? Oh, yeah, well... Okay, well, Electron is a thing uh, made by uh, GitHub that is a very easy and approachable way to um, write uh, native apps on a Mac, and I'm using air quotes here, uh, basically written with uh, web technologies. So basically a bunch of JavaScript, and you can wrap that all in this nice package that you can use as a native ma- a native app on the Mac, but it really isn't. And also, it's not just for Mac. So one of the advantages that has going for it, which it just makes uh, cross-platform super easy because you write, you write your app once, it's a bunch of JavaScript, and then it runs on Mac and um, Windows and what's the other one? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, this is running Linux. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume. So, mm-hmm. but I don't know. so, so yeah. That's and if you, if you're not aware, uh, you probably are. I mean, who, who is our audience? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Slack is an, a very good example of Electron apps. It's an app well, that you can good. download and install and lives on your on your dock. But when you open it, it's just a, it's just JavaScript. That's web. And also Spotify. Um, Adam, the code editor. Uh, right now in my doc, I have paper uh, written by our listener, our friend, uh, William. Uh, I have abstract. Um, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I think that's it on my doc, at least. Go on. I'm sorry. Go on. All right. So yeah, on my my computer, I just have Slack, Atom, and Abstract. But uh, I sort of read this article, and it I have I basically had this rant that was like sitting inside of me for a while, and this was kind of <laughs> the article that made me want to go to Twitter and complain for a bit. Um, so I basically said Electron is the React Native of macOS. Sure, it works, but there's always something that feels off about them. And I guess the comparison to React Native is not quite right because React Native is mm. even better <laughs> than Electron. Um, so Electron would probably be the like hybrid slash phone gap apps out there, which Jesus. is like kind of an even worse comparison. But anyways, choose the one you prefer. Well, I guess I'll just read the tweets one by one. Wake me up when you can resize Electron apps without the app taking five seconds to relay out itself. Electron apps may be convenient to write, but if what you're looking for is quality, they miss the mark completely, in my opinion. I mean, look at Nihilus. I can spot at least 10 things that aren't consistent with native macOS apps in just one screenshot. Uh, and we'll put that very screenshot in the show notes so you can take a look for yourself. So, yeah, that was kind of my rant. So, yeah, I don't know. I wanted to know, how do you feel about this? Like, do you think this is fine? Do you think this is kind of where the world is going even though we may or may not like it or or what like what's what's your, your sort of analysis on that hmm it's so hard because when you like when you when you phrase this as do you think the alternative being having a bunch of native apps is better yes of course i would love it if that would happen but if you say is the alternative not having these apps 
they don't exist then i say damn that's not really a better option let's say slack if you if you say would you prefer having a native mac app for slack i would say yes please give me that um if you say the alternative being use it on the browser i say please don't at least just give me an electron app or something just this wrapper at least i can command tab to it <laughs> um but I, I feel like this is this is just it could be that uh, Mac OS, uh, Mac OS development is just so hard that the effort and investment of having a, a real native Mac app is is really high. Uh, it's not easy, and when you also say like if you want to be on uh, if you want to be cross platform, if that's part of your your company's strategy and all, and that's something that you need then the investment of having a bunch of native apps for Windows and Mac OS, it's just, you know, it's not feasible. So this is one alternative. Now, how do I feel about it? I don't like it. I don't like it that this is like, <laughs> like a lot of things are just converging into this. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen like a, a, you know, someone had a Mac OS app and then, you know, they upgraded to an Electron app. That, I don't think that ever happened. But I just feel like new apps coming up, uh, they're all just following this. And Abstract is a good example. Abstract is an Electron app, is one app that I that I really like and I'm really into. But to be honest, I feel like this was just what they had to have. Because they, they're a small team. Uh, they want to be cross-platform as part of their strategy. Uh, and so having an electron app was like they kind of had to i don't know but it, but i feel i feel like with all of these apps everything that i hate about them is the electron parts like the fact mm -hmm. that it doesn't resize properly the fact that so when, whenever i load uh abstract to <laughs> what i get i get a big spinner that takes like a solid like three seconds before I can see anything on the screen, and that's mm -hmm. just like super jarring, uh, jarring on the desktop. It just doesn't feel right. I have I, like I have a home button, <laughs> a home button, and a desktop app. Like really, <laughs> and like uh, the the height of the the like top bar isn't the standard height. That everything is supposed to be like. It's just, I know. Mm, I don't know. All <laughs> these little things just like annoy the hell out of me. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Those annoyances, they're not enough to make people don't use Electron apps. Yeah, I know. You know, but it's. it's but just, yes, when I do have an app that has a uh, like a back and forward <laughs> button. It makes no sense. Like, like, come on. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> well, one thing that I can tell you is that um, Adam, which is a very good example of Electron app, probably like the first. To me, I think that's still the best uh, example. Yes, but um, it's amazing how typing lags sometimes on this MacBook Adorable. Yep. Like when typing lags... Then it's not just, you know, design annoyances. Oh, it's not the, the correct height. Um, now it's like, now you do have an actual usability problem. Like, this is not okay. And um, I should, yeah, I'm going to put this on the, on the show notes. I, I listened to uh, this episode of 
this podcast called Changelog. I don't know if you know about it. Oh, never heard of it. Um, Changelog. Uh, apparently, it's like a very um, old, uh, <laughs> old uh, podcast. Like it's on episode two hundred forty-one. Oh, it used to be on the Five by Five Network. Anyway, it's like it's in each episode they have an interview uh, with someone from the tech scene. So there's this episode with Nathan um, Sobo, which he is one of the uh, he's like the creator of Atom, um, and it, it, that is a pretty good episode. They they talk about the whole history of Atom, how it came to be. It actually started uh, outside of GitHub. Anyway, it's a pretty cool, interesting story, um, and uh, like you, you learn a bit more about a bit more about Electron and Adam and their like their goals and their what are they focus on. And I know like GitHub's, I would say like top priority of Electron is performance. Like they want to get better at that, especially Adam, um, because when it came out like 1.0, like I tried Adam 1.0. Remember that one? It's like it was not usable. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember it. You open a project with more than like a hundred files, and it would freeze, <laughs> crash. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, like performance is not great, but this is tricky because the alternative just seems, well, then it either won't exist or uh, it's going to be on a browser, which sucks way more. Like, uh, remember Figma? They, like, they famously live on a browser and like the, I would say like the number one request, I don't know this for a fact, but I would assume is we need a, like a Mac app. And what they did is an Electron app. Like, here it is, wrapped. At least you can command tap to it. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like that's totally the wrong way to do Mac apps. But I agree with you that for a lot of these startups, it's just like, whatever, it's good enough. And it'll work everywhere and it'll be easier. And I think the the blame for this largely relies on Apple, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. if they made investments into the the Mac and creating good APIs and and doing something more similar to UIKit on the Mac, um, then it would make it things way easier to develop for the Mac. And I think we'd see a lot less of these crappy Electron apps. Um, mm-hmm. And we keep saying like, oh, like the Mac is kind of done. Like there's not a lot to do there. Well, I think this is one big obvious area where Apple could focus their attention on and like it's it wouldn't be any user facing change right like it's not any like interesting new thing that it can put on a slide at, the, at like a public event or on their website but it would make a huge difference and would make it way easier for iOS developers to uh, start making apps for the Mac as well I think the the experience would be way better for everyone involved is this going to be the future? Maybe. I hope not. I really I really hope not. I think electron apps are a step up from websites, but to me like you should look at the other step up from from that once you're successful. So Slack, please uh, take a look at the next step up maybe and try investing in actual real native apps for your platform like that would be amazing. And yeah, because honestly, like, can you like imagine if Sketch was an Electron app? Like, I don't know if I could use this. I can. It's called Figma. Yeah, and it's terrible. 
<laughs> sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's not terrible, but it's like there's so many things that do not work well because of the browser parts of it, right? Like, I was talking to 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 Brent about this, like basic stuff, like being able to like click within a text field and then move your mouse left or right to increase the value of the field. That's something that's fairly easily doable in a native app, but it's basically impossible in a, in a web app. So like a lot of things like that, a lot of like conflicting things with they're conflicting with with the like browser and other system keyboard shortcuts by being in effectively a web mm-hmm. wrapper, which they would not have if they were a native app. So many things like drag a file to the icon. Like this is a standard like pattern on OS 10 that's something that you can do in apps, but you can't do that on an electron app. So I don't know. I totally agree with you. And this is on Apple. I mean, even if Apple makes, you know, brings UIKit or whatever, something similar to macOS, or it just makes, you know, development easier, it won't fix the cross-platform issue. And here's, I think, the one reason that Electron is so popular. It is because users, for the most part, they don't care. They don't even notice, you know? Uh, if you go to like someone who's not a designer or not a programmer or something, you tell them, "Hey, well, how do you feel about the Spotify app is not native, uh, as opposed to like iTunes?" They're like, "What are you talking? What? <laughs> What's native?" Right? People don't, for the most part, consumers they don't realize, they don't really notice or care. For that reason, that's why you know. This is so popular because if you can cut down development costs uh, and investment uh, for like, you know, to like a fourth or a third and users won't notice and it's going to be easier easier to maintain and easier to distribute cross platform and all, you know, that's why this is, that's why we're in this position, this situation right now. (laughs) I'm not saying that I agree and I like it. I don't. I agree with you 100%. I'm just trying to understand why or how we got here. I don't know. I mean, I can't disagree with anything you said. That's that's the worst thing. It's <laughs> like, yeah, like you're right. People don't really care. But I, there's something that feels so wrong to me about settling for like something that is less than the best that you can make. It's like, okay, if we go this route... Our apps kind of is kind of suck. Is gonna suck in a bunch of different ways that like we have no control over, and that kind of sucks. And uh, can can you think of one one electron app that is paid? I don't think there mm. is. Right? Huh. That's that is a very interesting idea. Because I'm feeling like all of the electron apps that I can think of. Right. And and I'm I'm, t- I'm gonna exclude Figma and Abstract because they're just so new and I don't even think they have like a business model set. Yeah. Um. So excluding those, I feel like all the Electron apps they are either free because they're not like the main focus of the company. Let's say Atom, or right. they're just a way to distribute the service which is paid. Let's say Spotify and Slack and yeah. So hmm. interesting. So maybe Electron apps, the app itself is not the product. Interesting. All right, let's move on. (laughs) I'm getting really sad about this. Tell us, what do you think? Um, (laughs) All right. Another big topic that 
I want to get your opinion on is uh, something that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are very familiar with. And that is uh, the fact that we have been uh, seeing a lot of stories or Snapchat-like product uh, (laughs) updates uh, in like recently. So it all started with uh, Instagram, I believe, who uh, built stories. Then we've seen uh, WhatsApp. We've seen Medium introduce stories. We've seen Messenger uh, now uh, introducing Messenger Day. And even Facebook stories in the main app, right? Oh, really? I didn't know about the yeah, Facebook stories. So that's happening too. Uh, coming soon oh to God. Facebook app near you. So how do you feel about this? <laughs> Let's start there. I'm going to put the old man hat right now Um, because I didn't really never got into Snapchat. So for me, this whole thing started with uh, Instagram uh, stories. So it's like I knew that it was ripping off basically Snapchat. And I know Snapchat was like the one who created this thing. And now it's just like, what the hell is everyone doing? Like, is this it? Like, we have figured out the perfect interaction in mobile. And I was <laughs> it's like, we all, we, we all have to do it. Um, I don't understand. Like, it's fine. It's, it's a cool idea. But do you have to have it? Like, especially <laughs> Facebook that owns Instagram, that already ripped off and has Instagram stories. So you already have it in your platform. And now you have it on Messenger and Facebook and, like, everywhere. When I saw this on messenger was was first on twitter because first i don't i i rarely use messenger it's like probably open this app like once every two weeks because i need to say something to someone that i don't have iMessage or something um because i don't have whatsapp and whatever so when i saw this was like oh my god and and on twitter it got a lot of flack from at least from our bubble it just like messenger this is an app like iMessage is an app to talk to people. Now having that button with the sun thing is so overwhelming. Like you're trying so hard to shove this down our throats. Like why? (laughs) Okay, I still have my old man hat on. Like when I open this, this is a screen that I see. Like with all the little filters and cats and hearts floating. Like I, I literally feel like this is definitely not for me. Like I feel old. Like what the heck is this? Like... Because I know Facebook is, it's a smart company. They have a shit ton of metrics. They know what works. They know that people want this. I'm going to trust. They know people like this and want this. And because this makes no sense to me, I just, I'm just going to assume, you know what? This is not for me. And with Snapchat, that was fine. I was, I thought Snapchat is not for me. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't have to use it. With Instagram was like a bit different because Instagram was something that already was around. I was a user. I used it. I had an idea of Instagram and then it added stories and it was like, okay, I see what you're doing. I can get, I can get, I can, I can try to use it or I can ignore it if, if I want to. But now on Messenger and Facebook, I can't escape it, right? What's something that started on this one single app that I could happily ignore it. <laughs> Uh, now I can't escape it. I can't, I can't run away from this. It's everywhere. And I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> also, why would you have to do exactly the same thing in three apps? Yeah, well, 
so just to like sort of unpack this a little bit, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, there, was, this is... there was a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> one one thing I've been wondering about is like the question of whether or not the the story's idea is a format or a specific execution. Because I think I if I think about it, I actually do agree that stories like this idea feels very much like a format of the future to me. The same way a text field in which you can type into um, was a format of the old generation, basically, right? Where your primary input mm. is either 140 characters or some random unlimited number of characters on Facebook. And that was like so many social networks, like even what is it like swarm has like that same sort of text field. Like there's, there's all these social networks, right. That have this same basic interaction model. Um, and I kind of feel like maybe stories is now the, the interaction model that, um, kids these days are used to and expect in the different apps that they use. And and why do people like it? Well, because it's way easier to use, right? Like you don't even have to to write 140 characters. You can take one picture and, and put two emojis on it or a sticker and that's it. You're done, right? So I think that there is something to be said for maybe stories is as an idea is too compelling for other apps not to adopt it. So that's the first that's the first thing that I'm thinking about. Then the second is okay, let's let's try to understand why are people mad about this, right? Cuz I think like sure there has been a bit of backlash over uh, the when Instagram launched their their version of stories, but that didn't last very long. And I think if you look at at the what people are saying now around Instagram is not that look at how they ripped off Snapchat. They're actually saying that Instagram is eating Snapchat's lunch in terms of uh, usage, in terms of reach, um, and even in terms of of design, right? In terms of uh, like the actual experience of using uh, Instagram stories feels, at least to me, better than uh, using yeah, using Snapchat. So it does seem like if you can have some innovation somewhere in there, uh, or at least subtle improvements o- over like the general uh, experience, then people seem to be okay with it to a certain extent. So what are people actually mad about? And I, what I think people are mad about, and I mean that's also part of what. I would be mad about if if like you can't even say that I'm mad about this, which I don't think so. Like I don't think I'm mad about <laughs> Facebook releasing whatever they want. Like that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. I think people are mad about this because you. Uh, so we all use these apps, right? Uh, and whenever you use these apps, you sort of want to keep up with the times, right? You want to use. Like people are using emojis, you want to use emojis too. People are, are using stickers. You also try to get on the on board with the stickers. But now what's happening is that all of our apps are adopting stories. And I'm like, well, I only have one life. 
Like, I can't post a different story to five different apps. Like, why are you asking me to do this, Facebook? This is terrible. You're making my, my life worse here. Because now, every time I do something, I have to post it in five places. Why? Because now, instead of all my friends going to Snapchat or going to Instagram uh, to post and consume the stories, now everyone has their own different apps. I have certain friends that use, that use Messenger. I have certain friends that use Facebook. I have certain friends that use Instagram. What do I do? How do I reach all my people? And I think to me that gets to the gist of why are people so mad about about that? And I think if Facebook is smart, which I think they are, um, step one is probably, okay, let's introduce a story feature in basically all of our properties. But I think a second, um, second phase of, of this would be, uh, at least it seems very obvious to me, but would be to have them all sync, right? So, so that if I am connected with my Facebook account on Instagram and on Messenger and whatever other services, that that same story could carry through uh, and then people could use whatever app that they want and still have access to my story. Uh, and if you think about that, then that becomes actually really powerful. Because on top of having my audience from Instagram, I also have all my Facebook followers. I have all of my uh, like messenger friends there. Um, I think there might be a way forward with this where people don't absolutely hate Facebook. Uh, and it's actually bringing something new. Uh, and I, I, I do think that you can take an existing idea and refine it and make it better. And that in and of itself is important and valuable. Um, and so the other thing there is I wouldn't shame the people who work on these features, right? Like, I mean, I even personally know a few people who work on like features, some of these features that we're talking about now. Um, and I think like, even if the feature has been done in the past in some other app, I think it takes just as much work to bring it to a different app. There's so many concerns, so many different uh, specifics that users don't necessarily see out of the box, uh, but it's actually a lot of work to do. So I do respect uh, the people who work on on these features because I think it's it's not a small task and people say copying all over all the place and all the blogs but what I'm seeing is not just straight up copying I'm seeing a lot of different riffs off similar ideas and and trying to ta to tackle it from different angles uh, so that to me seems like a lot of people are thinking about this this um, story format but also trying to evolve it and trying to see where they could add something and make it make it better uh, they're they're not going from zero to one right they're not inventing something new uh, but they're refining something so overall like if I have to sum up my feelings on it is Facebook please give me a, <laughs> give me a way to sync all my stories uh, and I'll be happy I don't mind if you introduce this to all of your products to me, that actually makes a lot of sense, and I, I could see the use for sharing stories to all these different places, um, as long as I don't have to cross-post everywhere. So yeah, that's what, how I feel about it. 
Okay, that's a lot to unpack. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I also had a brain, giant brain dev here. The thing on, on, you know, improving on this one format, sure, I don't have strong feelings about that. It's like, uh, again, when you think of a story as um, part of Snapchat's app, then yes, everything feels like everything, everyone's just copying each other. If you think, like you said, uh, stories as a format, which was pioneered by Snapchat, but now it's like public domain almost. Um, You know, um, once we get, once you get there, then it's like, sure, it's fine. It's like, you you don't hear anyone saying when Samsung releases a new phone saying, oh, touchscreen, just like iPhone, just like Apple. Like, come on, no, uh, we're past that. So on that regard, sure, I don't have strong opinions. I think what you said is fair. Um, I subscribe to it. Um, with having having this stories format in Messenger and all, and you're saying, please let us sync our timelines, our stories. What I don't like it is that you are indeed pushing something into everyone's. And just like when Facebook forced you to download a separate app called Messenger and not just use Messenger in the main Facebook app, there was a backlash, but there was that was Facebook um, trying to focus. And each app is to its own thing. And now with having stories in Instagram, Facebook, and Messenger, it kind of goes against that. And I feel like that's that's a great point. That's not a good approach. Like it, it feels like they're going backwards, right? Because on Messenger, I want to talk to my friends, to this list of contacts, whatever. And I don't know. I don't know if this is true. Uh, actually, I haven't used it. But is uh, stories on what they call it, Messenger Day or whatever? Is that like public to all of your contacts? Is that per person? Uh, I don't know. Is it, think, does it work like Instagrams? Hmm. I'm not sure. We'll have to follow up on that, but I think it's okay. only for Facebook friends. Okay. I don't know. It just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel at home on the messenger app, at least to me, at least the way I use messenger. Um, and going way back to the first point that you mentioned, uh, having the, um, the stories format being almost like the new generation of a text uh, box that is either true and super sad or false. And <laughs> the way I see it is that it's not an improvement. This is either true or false. <laughs> yes. Good job. No, no. What I'm saying is it's either true and sad or just false. Okay. <laughs> Well, much science. Uh, in the sense that I don't see this as an improvement at all uh, over a regular text box, oh, like our, like the older generation. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what my generation is. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I don't fit anywhere. Um, but anyway, in the sense that in a text box, a text box is like a blank canvas and you can write whatever. And then, you know, you have links which is like you can link to anything. You can link to an article. You can, link, you can link to a picture. You can link to a video. You can link to whatever. Like even on Twitter, you can, through text, link to another tweet. Mm. Anyway, it's like it's very, um, yeah, you can do whatever, right? Mm-hmm. With this story format, you can take a picture, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sure, you can uh, write and draw on top of the picture and add stickers and all a bunch of shit. But uh, in a sense, you are taking a picture. Now, I feel like there's, you can either take a picture of yourself and take selfies and that's like your main thing. And I feel like that's huge on Snapchat, especially huge. when you have all those huge, when you have all that 
what do you call it? The filters, the thing where you put faces on you, and now you have like a cat face. Selfie and... filters. Sure. Um, <laughs> like that is literally you taking a picture of your face every time. Mm-hmm. Or the other half, you're taking a picture of whatever else is around you. Now, if you're like on holidays and you're traveling, maybe you see a bunch of interesting stuff that it is indeed actual, uh, like interesting stuff to share to your friends. And they, it's generally interesting for your friends to see where you are and what you're looking at. Now, opposed to the text box in which you can do whatever, this is very limited. This is limited to you, your face, every time, or limited to where you are at that moment. And I feel like the biggest problem of not really our generation, maybe, but definitely like the next generation, is that we, and maybe this is like more true in in America, uh, like US at least, but like we are so so self obsessed like so self obsessed every like with the selfie thing uh, you are <laughs> you are broadcasting you with even like a periscope you are the star of your own show every time you have your audience and it's you 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 i watched yesterday this movie which is a great movie called the on um, on the edge of 17 or something like that it was so good yeah i watched it too it was so good yeah but that main character she's so self-obsessed mm-hmm. every time like people don't stop to look at others and like empathy is a thing that we are losing because we are losing the ability to put ourselves in the other people's shoes and anyway this story i think you forgot to take off your old man at <laughs> oh i forgot i left it on <laughs> you, you left it on <laughs> oh my god i think Maybe. Uh, is it uh, safe to say that you enjoy Twitter and enjoy using yes. it? Yes, yes, of course. You also know that everyone says that Twitter is making everyone self-centered and self-obsessed the same way that you're saying that people that use Snapchat and Instagram stories are like self-obsessed sure sure absolutely but don't you feel like most of these new apps new platforms new whatever Mm -hmm. is a new medium a new platform for you to broadcast your life you to broadcast you (laughs) i mean yeah well it's it's the same thing about twitter though sure 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 thing i I, see how that i put myself also i put myself in this like i i started saying yeah our generation and the next generation especially like we're in this i think that's fine i don't think i don't see this as a problem like okay, let's just say, would you think that you could replace Twitter, meaning the text box, with just uh, Snapchat or Instagram Stories? I don't. I don't think so. Which is why mm-hmm. I do think that like we're we're not going into a world where this is a replacement, but this is probably an addition. Uh, and you brought an interesting idea here, right? Like. How is Twitter not really <laughs> the stories product yet? <laughs> because Twitter is right? not releasing anything. I mean, they're, yeah. I mean, if they were a competent company, like, I mean, I would have hoped that they would jump on the bandwagon as well. And I could totally see if Twitter released a, a stories product that, like, in the Twitter app, you could post your story. You bet I'd be in there and I'd probably stop posting to Instagram. Because you know what? I have way more followers on Twitter than I do uh, on Instagram. And and sure, 
the follower count isn't the most important thing, but I want to reach the people that I want to reach. And I have, I tend to have more interesting conversations on Twitter than I do on Instagram. Uh, but what happens right now is if I post something interesting on my Instagram story, I'll, I'll often, very often like export it and then also post it to Twitter as like a second step. Because, and why do I post to the story first? Well, the story is, is faster. It's easier. It's just, I, I like press the, the Instagram icon and I press the record button and, and that's it. I'm already up and running where I feel like I have to open Twitter, then go new tweet, then compose something, then add, like add an attachment, which feels very old now. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel... But you say, you say um, the stories thing, like Instagram stories is not a replacement Twitter? No, the same way that it's not but, a replacement for but Instagram. I think it is. Right? Like, you can still post regular pictures. I think it is in the sense that the newer generation, like, the younger you get, you know, Snapchat is all, it's your thing. You don't have Twitter. Like, Twitter is kind of like for old men, uh, old people, uh, because they have to write. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel I feel like Twitter is... I mean, bit... you don't even have to write, really, on Twitter. You just have to, to write thread pointing finger. <laughs> And that's it. And, <laughs> oh, and honestly, like most <laughs> most like normal people on Twitter just retweet and like stuff. Like mm -hmm. it, if if anything, the the stories format might even be more work for them. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're to me they're two very different ideas, uh, and I can totally see the place for both of them. But I have to admit that, uh, like, especially in, like, the recent times with uh, the new, like, U.S. president, Twitter feels very serious now. But I feel like the world, like, the world is very serious now. Yeah. You know? But you, you can probably for, forget about more of that stuff on Instagram than you can on Twitter. That's true. So, yeah, I, I mean, not necessarily a good thing. That though. also raises a question of like, is Twitter staying relevant amongst younger people who don't want to participate in that more serious exchange? Maybe not, right? Like, I don't think so. I am really concerned for Twitter's future because I love it. I love Twitter, and that's like that's that's why I'm concerned. I really am because if yep. you. If you take a look at like Twitter from like five years ago or whatever, maybe that's a lot, but like it hasn't changed much in the past couple of years. Like the, the service, the product itself, it's been stale for the most part, right? Yeah. For the good or the bad. But I've been seriously uh, thinking of just switching to the uh, Twitter, like the official clients. Really? Because like polls and stuff, <laughs> which I completely oh, yeah. miss <laughs> a lot of times. And the tweets just don't make sense. Wait, um, polls? What is that? Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. I know, right? <laughs> uh, it's just like I'm I'm missing out in Twitter moments. I only have it like I don't have it in my country. You're not missing out on any moments. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just the fact that that's what people see most often, like mo most people use, and that's the experience they are having. And I feel like 
I benefit from have, sharing the same experience as the others. I don't, I don't know. I don't mm. know. But anyway, they don't have time on things. So. I thought you were going to say <laughs> that you want to use the main Twitter app to give them the ad revenue. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's uh, no, um, yeah. not there yet. That would have been funny. <laughs> <laughs> now you made me sad about Twitter again. I still, I still maintain my belief that it would be awesome if Facebook acquired Twitter. I think they would mm. do a good job with it, but we'll see. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Not Facebook, please. Uh, but who else? Would you rather have Comcast acquire Twitter? <laughs> <sighs> this is hard. I don't know. I don't know. Here we are again. Let's follow this up. All right. Okay, uh, before we go, quick recommendations. Do you want to throw a recommendation in? Yes. Um, so I recently finished reading uh, this book called Competing Against Luck. And this is Clayton Christensen's latest book. If you don't know who he is, you probably know uh, one of the books that he's written. He's written uh, The Innovator's Dilemma, which has really inspired a lot of the Silicon Valley slash startup culture so i was curious to see uh what was his basically his next thing uh, and i really enjoyed uh reading clayton christensen's book in the past um i like his approach in general of looking at theories and using them as lenses to see the world and trying to seek every uh exception to the rule to be able to refine the theory uh, it's a like really he's a really interesting person uh, and I like how he thinks. So this book was pretty interesting. Uh, it focuses around the idea of uh, basically studying what your uh, customers are hiring your product to do, which personally I had heard about before. And this book is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of let me show you an example in which like... <laughs> this idea is is relevant so what i would say here i i still enjoyed the book but i'd say read how much as you want or need uh you don't have to read the whole thing there isn't like a big thing at the end that is like this very important part so it's it's really just trying to help your your brain understand how to like think in that way and it's, it's been interesting for me uh, to, to read that and sort of try to apply it to the different things I'm working on. And, uh, and basically the gist of it, if I can summarize it, because I don't, I don't think you can really spoil it, but is to broaden your horizon when you're looking at competitors and looking at things like non-consumption, right? Like one of the examples he gave was this like some real estate company or something like that. And uh, they made like the perfect sort of like condos for people to move into when they were downsizing from a, a big house uh, once like the kids left, like, left the home and everything. And they were having trouble selling them. And they were like, why? Like they, then they tried like making everything nicer and like reducing the cost and everything. But that didn't change anything. So what they started looking at was people are, are actually not moving because moving the act of moving and downsizing and going to into a smaller house or apartment uh, sort of means that you have to get rid of a lot of memories to be able to fit everything into the space um, so what they looked at was okay how do we find ways to 
uh, allow people to keep their memories and and still have like good feelings about this this new home, even if they were downsizing. Anyways, it's like pretty interesting, and it's a good. I think it's a good way to look at uh, like products and ideas and, and all that. So um, yeah, I recommend it. Cool. That sounded awesome. Uh, put a link in the show notes, will you? Yes, I will. Okay, mine is super boring. It is a new album from Drake, which is he just dropped out out of the blue. It's called More Life. Oh, mm-hmm. And I listened to it uh, once uh, in the background. <laughs> Sounds cool. Sounds like Drake. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite is the song with uh, Kanye, Glow. It is pretty good. Uh, Glow, is that a name? Yeah. yeah. That's the first one, right? Mm, maybe. I don't know. I the first one, Free Smoke. Anyway, I don't know. Um, yeah, pretty cool. Okay, and with that, this is getting long. We have to wrap it up. So if you want to take a look at the show notes, and I don't know how would you not have it on your phone or whatever you listen to this to, but you can go to the webs. We are layout.fm and have all the episodes there, links sponsor if you want to sponsor our show if you want to get in touch we have a form there you can get in touch to us if a tweet is not necessary but if a tweet is necessary uh just enough you can tweet at us at layout.fm on the twitters if you want to listen to more shows like this one or better uh, you can go to <laughs> spec.fm <laughs> um because they we they we uh, have all have uh, awesome shows that you can you can listen to. If you want to get on our Slack thing, you can. You can go to spec.fm slash slack and request an invite, get in, and then go to the layout channel. And there, we, we, we hang out there. Uh, you know, listeners uh, from time to time, they post uh, cool stories and they recommend topics for us to talk about. And, you know, it's fun times. Uh, do it. Yeah. And with that said, uh, dude, that was a good show. Cool. Yeah, I really Talk enjoyed this week. one. Yeah, sounds cool. All right, huge thanks again to uh, UXPIN for sponsoring the show, and we'll see you next week. Right, bye. Bye.